I, I, the, the songs that were selected today were uh, particularly just poignant in reminding us that one, God reigns. Um, sometimes we live in a society where we, and this is not the message for today, but I gotta, I gotta, somebody needs to hear this, that we love to be in control. We love to set the agenda and set the tone, and sometimes we have to be reminded that you're not in control. Sometimes you will be faced with news and information that truth be told, if God doesn't do it, it don't get done. Today I was faced with that, this week I was faced with that news. Uh, those of you may have heard on the news um, about the incident at Cane Bay High School. My son is a sophomore, my oldest son Caleb, the NI's oldest son Caleb is a sophomore at Cane Bay. And while I was preparing my sermon, I get a text at 10.08 that says, Dad, I'm in a lockdown. This is real. I'm kind of scared. And, and as a parent, I pride myself of putting the S on my chest and save the day. I pride myself on that. I pride myself on knowing that regardless of what my wife or kids may ask, they know they can count on me. That day I could do nothing. But I could do something. I could get on my knees. I can call to the God of heaven, the one who by the sound of his voice created the world that we live in, the one who, in the storms of life, when they said, when the two people said on the boat, do you care that we drown? And Jesus said, peace, be still. That I pray to the ones that even the winds and the waves obey him. And so I want to encourage you today that if you feel a sense of hopelessness, that you can call to the one who reigns on the throne and still knows you by name. In the meantime, during that, and I'll be honest with you, Caleb actually handled it a whole lot better than I did. Sure is handling a whole lot better than Deanna. <laughs> I had to hold it tight, you know, it was just funny. But it was funny because I'm talking to my dad, I'm trying to be calling my dad, it's like, are you okay? At that time, I didn't have time to process it. But now that I've had time to process it more, I'm like, oh my gosh. And now there's a family grieving the loss of a child in a community hurting. So that while, even while we praise God that our children are safe, please let's be mindful that there is a family in mourning and there's a community in mourning and that we pray, my prayer is that the grace of God, the love of God will strengthen and encourage them, that his light and love will shine in their lives and that even in the midst of tragedy, someone will come to faith in him. So with that being said, we're going to take a hard turn and return back to our series on Proverbs. If you remember last week, Pastor uh, Philip gave a, the mission, a vision of the DNA of the church. And then the week before, uh, Dr. Link gave a message on uh, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, and now we are in Proverbs chapter 8. 
Okay, now if you have a Bible, we're going to kind of split it up, but if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will get you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, that is our gift to you. If you do have a Bible and you just forgot it, leave it here, please. We don't want to have the, the stockpile of Bibles at the house. So uh, we want to be able to bless you if you need a passage for today. But we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 8, and we're going to read the whole chapter, but we'll break it off in segments, so we're not going to read it all right now. But what I want us to see is in Proverbs chapter 8, we see this picture of wisdom. And wisdom is being personified as a woman. And actually, when we see this appeal of wisdom, this is not the first appeal that wisdom makes as a woman. It's the second appeal. In fact, if you go back to Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 33, you see that second appeal of wisdom. But the reason why it's so important to see this second appeal is that we see a contrast from the strange woman and the adulteress in Proverbs 5 through 7. And, and when you see the strange woman or the adulteress in Proverbs 5 through 7, there's a personification, which means you're taking the concept and making it kind of giving it human qualities and characteristics. And this is a personification of folly. And what we see in, in this, we see the consequences of folly in the preceding passages, which is if you live in folly or foolishness, you live in death. Now, I've worked with college students all my life, with the exception of one year of high school students, and one thing I've learned is I, I have some of the strangest sayings in the world. I think it's just because I hang around coaches, and I was a coach, and I have a lot of weird sayings. And one of the sayings I say all the time that my kids will even you see them say, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That's, that's kind of that's Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 in the Frost Standard Translation, okay? Let's, let's just put it that way. The Frost Standard Translation, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So we see a picture of what not to do. And, and that's, that's important. We see who to avoid. We see who to flee from. But we got to be told who to pursue, who to run to. One of the things that I, I, I've, I've learned and as I've counseled uh, and, and discipled that oftentimes people tell me, you know, they, they want freedom in a certain area of their lives. And what ends up happening is, most of the time, we're, we're being told that if you want to find freedom in this area, you have to run from this X, Y, and Z sin. But, it's, and that's important. You got to flee from sin. But, but the problem is, is that that is not enough. And that answer is incomplete. If we're running from something, then what we have to do is be running towards someone. See, let me tell you something, okay? And I, I said this in our huddle, I hate running. No, like seriously, I hate running. Like even when I played football in college, even when I coached, I used to say if I have to run more than 20 yards, somebody messed up. Okay? My wife thought it was a good idea for us to run in a 5K. And she wants to do it again this year. Now, it's crazy. When we were first dating, I would run all the time. Never ran the bridge before until I met her. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, when you, fellas, when you see, see someone, you're like, man, I want to spend the rest of my life with her. I want to marry her. I want, we want to be the team Frost. I took one, two, three, four, five, six K for the team. Okay? Now, it's one thing to just be running, but here's what happens. When you're just running, 
with no destination in mind, you will get tired. And you're going to say to yourself, what in the world am I running from or for? And you stop running. However, when you do run towards something, you see an objective, all of a sudden that run is a little bit more bearable. Matter of fact, when we ran this 5K, and honestly, this is a whole other story. I literally ran the 5K for the hoodie because the hoodie was worth more than the entrance fee. I think like that, you know what I'm saying? I'm finding deals. On top of it, I could have gotten the hoodie the day before, and I got the hoodie the day before. I was like, I got the hoodie, ain't got to run, but my wife, being a good accountability partner, said, yes, you will. So we're running and running and running, and then finally we get cores to finish line, the home stretch. All of a sudden, my stride picks up. Them lungs got wider. Blood circulating through my body. I was looking like I was 22 years old, an athlete. I felt like a, like a G. And they actually caught a picture of it on one of the other Facebook pages. It's on my Instagram feed somewhere. I don't know. But I was looking good, you know. But this is what we see here in the text. When you look at the scope of Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 and get to 8, we see who we run from, but you got to know who you're running to. That's what we see here. And so this is my main point for the day. Why are we running to wisdom? Why are we pursuing wisdom? It's because wisdom's agenda is God's agenda. Wisdom wants what God wants. But how do we know the value of wisdom? Well, I'm reminded of a song, because I love songs, love music, by Alicia Keys. Came back, I think it was about 2009, maybe 2010, and it was called A Woman's Worth. Now, I'm not going to sing it to you. No, I am not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. <laughs> but, it's, but there's a part in the song where, where she says, because a real man knows a real woman when he sees her. And a real woman knows a real man ain't afraid to please her. And a real woman knows a real man always comes first. And a real man just can't deny a woman's worth. So what is this woman's worth? If I were to give a title for today's message under the way, Proverbs, the way of the wise, it would be called today a woman's worth. Because we see wisdom personified as a woman. And in chapter 8, what you see is four things about her. You, see, you hear or see her call. You see something about her character, you see something about her testimony, and then you see something about her counsel. So starting off in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, when we talk about wisdom's call, read silently as I read aloud. Doesn't wisdom call out? Doesn't understanding make her voice heard? At the heights overlooking the road, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading to the city at the main entrance, she cries out, People, I call out to you. My cry is to the children of Adam. Learn to be shrewd, you who are inexperienced. Develop common sense, you who are foolish. Listen, for I speak of noble things, and what my lips say is right. For my mouth tells the truth, and wickedness is detestable to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous and none of them are deceptive or perverse. All of them are clear to the perceptive 
and right to those who discover knowledge. Got to have my towel here. It's big dude problems. One of the things that we see here, we notice something about wisdom's call. We notice that wisdom's call is public and in broad daylight. Wisdom's call at the gates is the heart of the city where there's commerce, there's, there's, there's po politicking going on, there's networking, there's all of these things. It's at the heart of the city and the public square. You see that, that, that wisdom calls out broadly, like I'm here. Listen to me. In the bustle and hustle and bustle of life in the city, that's where wisdom is. But folly, in contrast in the preceding chapters, lures you from the darkness and pulls you into the darkness. Folly operates with darkness. Wisdom operates in light. Wisdom will call for you in public, watch this, while folly slides in your DM. will slide in your DMs where wisdom will hit your timeline. Because see, wisdom want everybody to see. When Folly, the quote, the great musical genius is Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> it's just me and you. That's what Folly does. Folly wants it just between me and you because when it's when it's dark, death can fester and grow and be nurtured. Where, where it's light, it puts everything on blast. In other words, the things that folly thrives on, wisdom detests. So we see this here about wisdom, that wisdom's call is public. Follies will slide in your DM, it's in darkness. But then it's not limited to that because the call is not only public to a certain group of people. Even in social media, we only put on our timeline for our friends to see. But the scope of, of, of wisdom's call is so much more broad because the call is to the children of Adam, which is all of humanity, all people. Her words are directed and they're pointed. And here's the thing about it, because a lot of people have a voice. I think that's one thing that we see on social media is that everybody got something to say. But everything ain't worth listening to. There's a reason why they had to put a mute button on, on Twitter. There's a reason why they had to put a mute button on Facebook. Because everybody got a voice, but everybody ain't worth listening to. But what you see with, pro, with wisdom is that her words are pointed in, in, in that pointed nature and in, in, in her words that she has a credibility. Because what she's saying is even the foolish and the ignorant can learn from her and benefit from her advice. See, the problem on social media is we put stuff out there. We know people who are foolish on social media. Now, if you keep arguing with foolish people, you might be the fool. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, everybody, like you, you know when you got some people that will say something to get a debate, and like, they're hung, got them. That's how, that's how folly will even work, but, but wisdom is so sound that it penetrates the hearts of even the foolish and the ignorant. Her words draw us on how to think properly. Listen here in, in verses 6 and 7. Listen, for I speak of noble things 
And what my lips say is right. Not I think what I'm saying is right. No, what I say is right. For my lips tells the truth and wickedness is detestable to my lips. And you'll see why that connection between her mouth telling the truth and wickedness being detestable, it'll point to something or more importantly to someone. We'll get to that later. But, but see this parallel here and look at Philippians 4 and 8. It's not on the screen. I'll read it to you. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any more excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. See, wisdom, unlike folly, is saying, listen to me, for I am, I am what leads, or I am who leads to what is morally excellent and praiseworthy. Folly says, follow your passions, YOLO. But we see that seduction leads to death, whereas wisdom says, follow what is praiseworthy, and we will see that it leads to life. Wisdom is saying, if you seek me, you will find me. And when you find me, you will realize I am neither deceptive nor perverse. Folly deceives and is perverse. Wisdom is clear and right. How does sin deceive? Well, I'm from D.C., so I, I understand a hustle. I think everybody got a hustle. Like, I, I just even, I'm trying to still work that in me. Like, I'm not where the Lord's been revealing. Like, like when somebody comes to me, I'm like, okay, what's your angle? Because everybody got an angle. Sin comes at you like an angle, but what ends up happening is like a bait and switch. You think you got something good, and then you do it, and you're like, hold up, man. And the problem is, it's not like a YouTube TV free trial. You can quit anytime you want, no contract. No, the buyout cost for that thing is great. And here's the thing, it's kind of like fishing. So I don't, I'm not a big fisherman. I fished a couple times. First time, I threw my rod in the water. Second time, threw my rod in the water. Third time, didn't catch anything, threw my rod in the water. Fast forward 15, maybe 20 years, I finally caught something. And I once caught a fish this big. Now I'm playing. <laughs> okay. So, so what happens is in fishing, you understand you, you find a, a particular bait for a particular fish you want to catch. And what you do is you put that bait and you put it on the, the hook in such a way that when the fish swim, they don't realize they're catching a, a hook, they're catching food. And then all of a sudden, the hook comes in, and now they're scrambling for their life. It is a fight for their life at that point. They thought they were getting food, they caught a hook. And all of a sudden, I reeled that bad boy up. This is when I went fishing out here in Charleston. I'm like, man, I caught like a 27-inch redfish, like a 25-inch redfish. I was like, yo, this is good. All I did was took a picture, put it on Instagram, put it back in the water. But notice something, the good news for the fish, when I went fishing, that we threw the fish back in the water. But the problem is sin does not release us. The hook stays in, and we end up getting filleted. But what you see with wisdom is what's trustworthy. Why? Because I said earlier, wisdom thrives and operates in lights where folly thrives in darkness. Her public and extensive call is directed to all of us. And it points to something about her that is worth heeding. And it's reflected in the second aspect that we're going to talk about, which is her character. So as we go to verses 10 through 21, wisdom's character, 
Accept my instruction instead of silver in knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. Nothing desirable can equal it. I, wisdom, share a home with shrewdness and have knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. I possess good advice and sound wisdom. I have understanding and strength. It is by me that kings reign and rulers enact just law. By me, princes lead, as do nobles and all righteous judges. I love those who love me, and those who search for me find me. With me are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold, and my harvest than pure silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So what you see here is you see that wisdom's character is directly tied to her, ver her, her value. Listen to what he's saying. Listen, think about this now. Accept my instruction instead of silver. Hold up. You can have wisdom. You can have gold. You can have big, big wisdom or big bank. But wisdom is saying, guess what? Take my instruction instead of silver and my knowledge rather than pure gold. And then here she explains why. Because the price of wisdom is greater than worldly goods. Here's where we get to the key to the passage. Why is it greater than worldly goods? Because you see here that to fear the Lord is to hate evil. That I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. I'm going to be real with you. I was like, whoo. Sometimes you have to realize before a message can convict you, it's got to convict the, convict the preacher first. So what do we see? What do we see that wisdom goes back to the idea and the fact that wisdom wants what God wants? In other words, we cannot flirt with evil and love wisdom at the same time. Or more appropriately, or another way of saying it, we have to live our lives with our hearts aligned with God's. Well, a lot of us like to flirt with danger. We like to live on the edge. But see, here we see that the character of wisdom and the value of wisdom is found in pursuing the heart of God. And that means we will love what he loves and hate what he hates. And wisdom leads us to hate evil, arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. But it means that it has to be reflected first in us. Do we hate these things first in us? We have to, at this point, we got to be ready to put ourselves on blast before we can put others on blast. You got, so, so I think about this. Like, I, I do, I love, I kind of got a crude sense of humor. I kind of like crude jokes. Like, I like Hangover, that movie. I like the lines of the movie. Some of y'all nod your head because y'all y'all feeling me. I even like some of the jokes in Coming to America. Coming to America is my favorite, but I can quote that movie from beginning to end. My wife knows when that movie's on, she leaves the room, and I'm having a great time by myself. But I recognize there's some things in there that just ain't glorifying to God. And I'm laughing at some of these jokes, and I can recite some of these jokes, and I can tell the stories of these things, and I'm like, man. Before I can put someone else on blast, before I can talk about somebody else's issues with, with arrogant pride, evil conduct, perverse speech, am I harboring and nursing those things in myself? 
But here's something I want to encourage you with. It's okay if you're a hot mess. It really is. But it's not okay if you're content being a hot mess. You can be a hot mess. You can be a work in progress because we all are a work in progress. But if you're content in it, then what's happening is we're harboring the very things that God is saying, no, that's not what I want for you. That's my son and my daughter. But as we see here about the character and value of wisdom, wisdom goes even further. Wisdom equips us and leaders on how to lead property, how to lead with integrity and understanding, and it reveals the principle of how to live properly and rightly in society. And in, in doing so, wisdom's character points us to evaluating what is truly valuable. In other words, when we walk in wisdom and we know her worth, all of a sudden our perspective in life changes and what we consider to be valuable is not as valuable as we think and the things that we think is less valuable is more valuable than what we've ever imagined. Wisdom gives us the right perspective of the good life. And it should cause us to assess what is most important. So in essence, wisdom is pointing us to something, and actually more than something, but more importantly to someone. And here's where we get to the next part and the next session, uh, next section of this passage is about her testimony. When we see wisdom's testimony in verses 22 through 31, wisdom acquired me at the beginning of his creation, before his works of long ago, I was formed before ancient times from the beginning, before the earth began. I was born when there was no watery depths and no springs filled with water. Before the mountains were established prior to the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the land, the fields, or the first soil on earth, I was there when he established the heavens, when he laid out the horizon on the surface of the ocean, when he placed the skies above, when the foundations of the ocean gushed out. When he sat, sat a limit over the sea so that the waters would not violate his command, when he laid out the foundations of the earth, I was a skilled craftsman beside him. I was his delight every day, always rejoicing before him. I was rejoicing in his inhabited world, delighting in the children of Adam. See, here's the thing here. Wisdom was there from the beginning and saw the work of God in the beginning. But here's the thing we got to remember, wisdom was, was with God, but only God was the creator. So here's what happened. Wisdom saw God's work, rejoiced at his work, not for the sake of his work, but who he is as creator. In other words, wisdom praised and worshiped God. So it gets the idea you cannot separate wisdom from the presence of God and the worship of God. Let me say that again. This is important. You cannot separate wisdom from the presence of God and the worship of God. In other words, true wisdom, biblical wisdom, bears witness to who God is, and it leads to the proper response, which is worship. If we are not led to worship, and more appropriately, because we're always leading to worship, we're worshiping something. So I have to say with this caveat, more appropriately worshiping the Lord, then we have to evaluate whether we have truly have godly wisdom. But there's another aspect of, of wisdom's testimony, which I really love here. That wisdom is not trendly, trendy. Wisdom is not trendy, but timeless. In other words, she never goes out of style. 
and she always holds her value. See, here's the thing. You know, I like to think of myself, you know, I, I, I kind of like some order, so I like, I like things matching. I like my belt to match my watch. Some simple things. Like I, that's why I got the watch with the, re, the detachable things. But one day, this color going to go out of style. These Cole Hans, I love them. These things are comfortable. But they're going to go out of style. Some of us got some four and five button suits in the closet. They are definitely out of style. And then you see other things like I just saw on TV about fashions, retro fashions are coming back in style. Like the 90s high top fade. Nah. <laughs> that, that, that came back in style real quick. But you see trends, like they were like talking about putting bell bottoms back and kind of making a contemporary look with bell bottoms and different fashions over the different centuries. But at one point, if you came with that, they straight clown you. Why? Because it's out of style. We try to even get the newest, nicest cars, and the moment you drive it off the lot, the value drops. In other words, the things of this earth are trendy, but they're not timeless. Wisdom is not only trendy, but it's timeless. She never goes out of style. That's why when she says that she was there from the beginning, she was fire back then. She's fire now. See, wisdom was, 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 was beautiful back then. She's beautiful now. Wisdom brings, brought life back then, and she still brings life now. But wisdom ends, and I'm about to land this plane because I know y'all start looking at your watches. Wisdom ends with making one last appeal, though. Based on her call, her character, her testimony, she concludes with her counsel. Proverbs 8, 32 through 36. And now, sons, listen to me. Those who keep my ways are happy. Listen to instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Anyone who listens to me is happy watching at my doors every day, waiting by the post of my doorway. For the one who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But the one who misses me harms himself. All who hate me love death. And so what you see here in the, the, the shift from wisdom is she is making a parental appeal. And now, sons, listen to me. Or, and now, daughters, listen to me. And here's what happens. Because, because when you listen, it leads to being happy, or in other translations, being blessed. But here's the key about this part. This, this blessedness or this happiness is contingent on not only listening to wisdom, but keeping wisdom. In other words, there has to be a connection between the ears, the heart, and the body. Listening to wisdom without living it out shows that someone has not truly obtained wisdom. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I, working with college students taught me that for sure. Here's the reason why. I, I would tell a student, and, and, and when I was coaching and even as, as teaching, look, I'm telling you, if you miss class, you will fail. Let me say it again. If you miss class, you will fail. If something comes up, let me know on the front end, I can work with you. 
I wish I could say people heed that advice, but they don't. Some do. Many don't. I've had many conferences with young men who I said, if you don't do this, this will happen. And it's one thing when you're dealing with other people's children. But then my kids became teenagers. And I'm like, my sons, listen to me. Play stupid games. Win stupid prizes. Son, I, just, I didn't hear you. You just looked at me and said, yes, dad, blah, 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 blah. You recited verbatim. We understand that listening to wisdom is not enough. We have to live it out. So how do we know this? Well, let's look in the last two verses. We're almost done. To find wisdom is to live in a way that pleases the Lord, and those who reject wisdom love death. In other words, we find that true wisdom points to Jesus because Jesus is the one through whom we can find favor from the Lord. Wisdom is a life that is lived in a direction that points towards Jesus. It's not moral living. It's not being a good person. It's not being wise by the world standards. But it's by recognizing that wisdom also rejoiced and celebrated Christ's work. How do we know this? Because the woman wisdom bears witness to the work of Christ spoken by Paul's words in Colossians chapter 1. She was there when she saw Jesus as the invisible, the image of the invisible God. Wisdom was there when she saw that Jesus was the firstborn over all creation, the Son. She was there when she saw that everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. Wisdom was there to see it and to celebrate it. So in other words, the call to wisdom is a call to Christ. Wisdom's call, wisdom's character, wisdom's testimony, and wisdom's counsel points to Jesus, and as such, we need to know her worth. Why? Because the call to wisdom is urgent, and the blessings are immense. So we have to, we need to, we must hear and heed wisdom's song. So going back to Alicia Keys, A Woman's Worth, we can learn something about the wisdom in her lyrics. No need to read between the lines spelled out for you. Just hear this song because you can't go wrong when you value a woman's worth. 